never interview you people again. Nothing but disgust, disdain, and sarcasm. WCW. I am losing it. Oh, no. Hulk Hogan is bigger than the sport of professional wrestling. Look at the adjective. Play. And I'm really, really upset about that. You fans can stick it, brother. I don't know if I want to talk about the monkey or the grinder. See how bad it hurts. You have lost it. Lost what? Your mind. I'm out of fish. That coffee boy. They no longer play where the big boys play. There's a lady. There's a lady in the main bathroom. The legend in South America. A legendary proportion. Free pot pie on the Nitro Maniacs. Up. It's been forever. It is time once again, after a brief unintentional hiatus for the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam. I am your host, and this is the show where we all get carbon monoxide poisoning by hanging around thousands of motorcycles, constantly revving their engines for three hours. This is the 48th episode of Nitromania, meaning there is now one episode for each album Fish has released so far, one episode for each minute of regulation in an NBA game. And one episode for each peak above 4,000 feet above sea level here in my home state of New Hampshire, as defined by the Appalachian Mountain Club. Speaking of New England, allow me to introduce my guest this week for our big Hogwild Supersode. He is a referee here on the New England independent scene. He is an executive. He is a traveler. And according to some, he is the perfect guest for me to have on this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, the Nick Patrick to my mean, gr- mean gene. I almost said mean green. That'd be weird. Uh, Tony S is here. Hello, Tony. The Nick Patrick to your mean green. I don't know why I, green popped it in my head. Kevin Green? Oh, God. I hope not. I, I would be your Reggie White to your Kevin Green. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're going here. But, hey, what's going on, everybody? It seems to me like, uh, let's see, according to Skiavone in the dream, we were in a sea of 25,000 Harley Davidsons for Hog Wild, and uh, let's put it this way: they really didn't care, did they? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Now, uh, as I said uh, just now, as I said on Twitter, uh, our friend Chris, the Kevin Dunn to your Nick Patrick to my Mean Gene, told me over and over and over again that Eric I needed Bischoff. to have you that, that too. That I needed to have you as the guest on this episode. Why? Why would you say he was so gung ho to have you? take part in this uh, in this episode because you got to get over that's the whole point you got to get over you don't stop until you're done you should know this <laughs> all right now uh, well, were you trying to say i'm not over trying i didn't the show i put <laughs> i put you over on live events and you know it <laughs> don't don't forget about don't forget about star clash okay that's true so true. i mean we're well, i mean we're here to go over the huh the Schwinn and Huffy that is Hog Wild. <laughs> yes. Now, as we as we have discussed uh, the past few episodes, this is this is a big one. Uh, Hog Wild '96 is the first pay per view event since the official creation of the New World Organization. Uh, the first pay per view featuring Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Now, uh, back in the day, back in the summer of '96, who were you watching at this point? Well, at this point, I was watching. Actually, I was kind of watching both, but the New World Organization of Wrestling, brother, uh, <laughs> really piqued my interest because for the longest time, you 
anybody really saw, I mean, unless you were around in, you know, late 70s, early 80s, um, you really, that was the only time you really caught a glimpse of Hogan as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Hulkamania came and Hogan could do no wrong until this. And this was appointment television where, you know, you go from Bash at the Beach to now, okay, the NWO is going to be coming in to Hogwild. The Giant is the World Heavyweight Champion. Hogan's got a title shot. The Outsiders and Sting and Luger, that goes from Bash at the Beach. And this was appointment TV. I was, yeah. I was a WWF guy, but this really piqued my interest. And I think, a, I think a lot of others did too, just because it was just so, it was so different. And mm-hmm. Hogan really carrying the group at this time. Sure. So, so as a as a WCW watcher back then, what what do you remember feeling or expecting going into Hogwild with everything that's happened over the past month since Bash at the Beach, the attacks, the mysterious limos, the official paid announcements? Which side was mid nineties Tony S on in the WCW NWO war? Oh, I was clearly NWO. There's, there, <laughs> there was there was no doubt about it. I was clearly NWO. Um, you know, you, you go from the gang mentality and modern kids, you never really saw anything like that. Mm-hmm. And inter, you know, inter-organizational warfare. And you really wanted to just see what the NWO was going to do next. Yeah. And for me, clearly NWO. No doubt about it. Uh, Hall, Nash, Hogan, the original three of the NWO. You, you couldn't beat it. And for me, which I know we'll probably talk about, the Ron, Mis- I mean the Ray Mysterio Jr. <laughs> lawn dart into the trailer in the back, as Shivani would say. Um, that to me was the one of the high peaks of the NWO, just for the part of the unpredictability aspect. I mean, that's a lot of people's high peaks of Ray Mysterio's career. So I mean, <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever you could do to get over, uh, you get over. Um, and to me, you know, baseball bats, you know, gang warfare, you know, the threat of turning WCW into the NWO. And in the early beginning of it, you kind of had an inkling that it was going to grow. But at the time, you just thought it was going to be Hogan, Hall, and Nash, and that was it. And if it was it, mm-hmm. I would have been fine with it. Mm-hmm. But the inclusion of members going forward... Um, until it got to overkill, right? Right. Uh, but those original three really set the tone for really the highest of highs, not just for the NWO, but for WCW and the whole wrestling world. Sure. We we, we speak of gang warfare, but I think the less said about Survivor Series uh, gang rules, the better. Um, that is so- true. <laughs> for anyone who who is just joining us or to recap since again it's been about a month since we had an episode here and then again i apologize for that why uh here's here's what we know so far back on july 7th hulk hogan shocked the world by turning on team wcw and joining up with the outsiders uh since then they have appeared on i'd say about half the episodes of nitro Uh, all of which have come from Disney MGM Studios in Orlando, thanks to the Olympics, uh, and have caused all kinds of chaos covering up the WCW logo with bedsheets, spray-painted NWO. Ruckus, I tell you. Ruckus. Interrupting broadcasts by taking over the production trailer, attacking a multitude of superstars backstage. And last week, 
throwing a small bag at Sting and driving off in a limo without actually saying anything or actually appearing on camera. I mean, to so, be fair, to be fair, when and did you already? I mean, you probably already did. When Luger and Sting went into the production truck, yes. First of was, first of all, I wouldn't turn down the free pot pie in Mountain Dew. <laughs> Oh yes, that was uh, free pot pie and Mountain Dew. Let's that's, go. That's oh. right. Yeah, <laughs> what a what a great budget that was in '96. Free pot pie and Mountain Dew. Yeah, and, and the fact that it went into a commercial break was even better. <laughs> oh boy, that's uh, quite quite the catering setup they have. Okay, well, again, every every everything Turner had was focused on the Olympics in Atlanta at that point. So that's uh that's why we had six straight weeks of Nitro from Disney MGM. And that's why we had the catering of free pot pie and Mountain mm. Dew. All right. <laughs> Eric, Eric Bischoff, the early stages of Bischoff Hervey Productions was the Disney <laughs> MGM Studios. All right. Without further ado, shall we, uh, shall we get into it then? Let's rock. All right. It is Saturday. Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, Saturday, August 10th, 1996, and this is hog wild we open with a tourism video for south dakota and the motorcycle rally including this odd bit of phrasing since 1938 enthusiasts have gathered here for something more than just riding a machine between your legs i did not realize it was that kind of rally uh anyway uh, we get a black screen and then a title card then a sweeping helicopter shot and you know it's a helicopter shot because for some reason the helicopter camera's mic is live and you can hear the chopper blades over tony shivani welcoming welcoming us to sturgis dusty and tony are dressed like members of the village people <laughs> bobby is dressed quasi respectably in a leather blazer uh bobby says he feels like the giant is in deep deep trouble tonight Tony calls it the most important title match in professional wrestling history. Uh-huh. Uh, Dusty awkwardly points out a tattoo on Tony's forearm as he wraps up the intro and sends us to the first match, a cruiserweight title match between Ultimo Drag... Sorry, the Ultimate Dragon. Yeah. Weird. Who is making his Nitromania debut, and Rey Mysterio. And by the way, didn't Tony Schiavone lose a whole lot of hair in 24 hours? <laughs> Uh, the, the ultimate dragon. Yeah. We had to, and, and where, where's Mike Tanay? Where, where's, where, where, where's Mike Tanay? Yeah, right. Because Mike Tanay is just going to correct every mistake that they've made in the first six minutes. Mm-hmm. Where, shit, where, where's Vince McMahon to go? The ultimate <laughs> dragon. dragon. Yeah. I, I would love to see him shake the ropes too. <laughs> Tony makes fun of Bobby for being dressed normally as Mysterio enters. Mike Tanay is also with us because, as we've pointed out before, he seems to be the only one who knows anything about wrestling on this podcast team. <laughs> Tony says goodnight to the WCW Saturday Night viewers as Nick Patrick holds the title aloft and the bell rings. We start with some classically quick cruiserweight action as Bobby reminds us that Mysterio was lawn darted into a building a couple weeks ago. We get a shot of Sonny Ono, who is also dressed like a biker. Then a blow-up doll begins to be <laughs> tossed around the crowd in the background. Ah. Yeah. Oh, Sturgis. Yeah. They each do a springboard backflip for no reason at all, and Mysterio gets the crowd to chant USA some more. Uh, some quick kicks from Dragon drop Mysterio, then an Irish whip and a drop kick. He sends Ray into the corner, hits a huge running power bomb, but doesn't go for the pin. Instead, he puts Mysterio into a figure four to try and get the submission victory. 
Ray's shoulders almost get counted down a few times before he finally makes it to the ropes to break the hold. Sonny calls the American fans stupid for chanting USA when Ray is from Mexico, and then Dragon puts Ray in a modified torture rack. Wasn't the wasn't the quote from Sonny Ono, American fans are so stupid. <laughs> and and Dusty Rhodes, by the way. Phenomena? <laughs> I call Ray Mysterio a phenomena. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes, we 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 know. <laughs> yes. That's an important thing. Both of them possess the speed. Both of them got the knowledge that we've seen. They both know each other. So Ray Mysterio Jr. to me is a phenomenon. So what does Dragon need to do, Mike today on this pay per view to take this thing home? Yes. Uh, oh my. As we Ray- as we continue to the hot tag. Yeah. Ray counters a surfboard into a couple pin attempts and gets a two on both. Roy Ray avoids a handspring elbow in the corner and hits a springboard dropkick. He then baseball slides Dragon off the ring platform to the dirt below. Look at Roy go! Yeah, he shut up. He then hits a springboard dive from the ring to the ground. The platform itself looks to be maybe four or five feet off the ground. Bobby says the ring is ten feet off the ground. He is wrong. Uh, we then get some more fun in the ropes as Ultimo outsmarts Ray and dives on him on the platform. Back in the ring, and a beautiful German suplex gets a two. A huge moonsault by Dragon gets a two to the surprise of Tony. He tries another running power bomb, but Ray counters with a Hurricane Rana. Places Dragon up top, but Dragon throws him off on the Hurricane Rana attempt. So Ray jumps back up and succeeds in the Hurricane Rana and pins him for three to retain the title. Uh, Ray celebrates to the honking of motorcycle horns as we go to replays. Uh, not a bad, <laughs> not a bad match to start. No, it's definitely not a bad match uh, to to kick it off. Uh, I think the match was great, but the place was wrong. Yeah, well, I think that uh, I think that'll be a running theme for years to come. I think so. I mean, I mean, you know, no, no, no discrediting Dragon and Mysterio because you know Dragon and Mysterio, their resumes speak for themselves. But the opening match at a, and it's weird. The WCW Cruiserweight Championship defended at a motorcycle rally with 25, allegedly, 25,000 yeah, people. Allegedly. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. it was a, it was a good opening match, I think, at least for that crowd to kind of get them into, uh, into things to come for the event. But, uh, I think they were really into the second match on the card. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll get into that a little later. Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, a motorcycle rally is particularly a good venue for any sporting event. But uh, yeah, what are you going to say? Eric Bischoff likes motorcycles. Yep. Uh, from the wide shot, it looks like there's got to be at least a thousand people there, and from what I've read, none of them paid. Smart. <laughs> to Mean Gene, pull up your socks and get ready. In the ring, he is also dressed terribly. He plugs the hotline and sends it back to Tony. Show the hotline! Thanks for coming, Gene. Yeah. Uh, Tony tells us about the rally itself, showing us some footage from earlier in the in the rally. The helicopter shows us the size of the crowd, and it's time for Scott Norton versus Ice Train. Ooh, the, uh, the matchup of the destruction of fire and ice. <laughs> uh, Train enters with his shoulder heavily taped. The bell rings as Dusty explains to us why the world title won't become the NWO title if Hogan wins. This is this is notable only because he uses the word <laughs> soliloquy again for some reason. Which was fantastic. <laughs> Norton immediately starts working on the shoulder and tears the bandages down. Not off, mind you, just down. Uh, Norton just works over the shoulder until Train fights back, but that lasts all of about 15 seconds. Eventually, referee Randerson just stops the match. Hey, don't call him Pee-wee. <laughs> Here's how this match can best be described. Norton attacks the shoulder. 
Train gets a couple of offensive maneuvers in. Norton attacks the shoulder. Train gets a couple of offensive mo- maneuvers in. Norton attacks the shoulder. Randerson stops the match. <sighs> well, let's see. First of all, let me just say about the opening match. Um, hmm. I mean, we don't think about it now, but uh, wasn't Nick Patrick the biggest guy in the ring? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not, uh, not that either of us have any idea what that's like. Absolutely not. I have no idea. I mean, I'm still five eight. Um, but uh, the ice train match with Scott Norton. For some reason, by listening to the crowd, I think that just because it was two big guys beating the hell out of each other, right? It seems as though they were getting into this match. Yeah. <laughs> and then. The finish. And uh, thank you, Randy Anderson. And by the way, thanks for also telling uh, Scott Norton to uh, go to the uh, turnbuckle cam, which Scott Norton completely just disobeyed Randy Anderson. <laughs> he, he just like, he's like, I ain't doing it. Like, okay. <laughs> Who's going to tell him no? By the way, Scott, ha- Scott Norton in real life, hell of a guy. I will say that. Good to know. We go to an interview video with Ric Flair about oh, here we go. Anderson and the NWO versus WCW. Oh, God. Flair swears his allegiance to WCW and says he'll stand behind his enemies if it means defending WCW from its enemies. What? Wait a minute. He swears his allegiance to WCW, yes, because he works for them. Stand behind his enemies even if it means defending WCW from its enemies. Didn't Ric Flair say in that video package... That he thought that the Horsemen and the NWO could coexist, because I'm I'm pretty certain that he would say something like that. And last time I checked, he and Hogan never coexisted for anything. Anything. Plus the photos of Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. You could have done a better job showing the greatness that is Arn Anderson. (laughs) I mean. Arn Anderson with a drink in his hand and his mouth open. <laughs> you know, and half of it was like flare in the front, Anderson in the back, like, yeah, go get him, Rick. Like, <laughs> come on. I mean, the the great the great double A. Give him his just due spot. This is the guy who came out uh a few weeks ago in a polo shirt and shorts. But anyways. That is true. Uh, more more helicopter shots as Tony tells us more about the rally. And then we get an ad for the official WCW Hogwild <laughs> t-shirt and denim jacket. What a great commercial. It's it's only eighty nine ninety five for the jacket. Tony, what do you think? Is it worth the price? Let me see. Um, it would have been worth the price, but who was shilling the jacket? Jimmy Hart was shilling the jacket and the shirt. Hmm, let's Wait. see. Wait, wait for the wait for the ad for the Monday Nitro shirts that comes up in a couple of weeks. Oh God! I mean, I mean, I mean, I wish we could have. I mean, the Hog Wild shirt. Hell, let's see who on the card is more Hog. So basically, what you're saying <laughs> is Jimmy Hart is more Hog Wild than anybody on the roster. Yeah. <laughs> My God. But, seriously, not ninety dollars for for a denim jacket. Ninety dollars in nineteen ninety six. Ninety dollars. That's that's a no thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, WW, WWF was putting their denim jackets, I believe, sixty nine ninety five. Yeah, the 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 uh, WrestleMania twelve commemorative jacket. Yes, and, and you know why? Because you know you know you know why the eighty nine ninety five, don't you? What's that? The free pot pine Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the whole point of it. Nice. That's the, that is the whole point of it. But now we get from the 
from the Jimmy Hart WCW, the uh, WCW 8661, to the Battle of the Bikes. Isn't that yes. right? Oh, yeah. Yes, I think time for your favorite match of the evening. Ha! The Battle of the Bikes. Oh, yeah. Sonny Ono rides Bull Nakano's Honda to the ring. Medusa rides her own Harley. Um, as I've said for the last oh, six weeks or so, I wonder how this is going to go. Hmm. Uh, again, I'm pretty sure Medusa only owns one set of gear. Anyway, uh, Nakano attacks before the bell with nunchucks. Please enjoy Dusty's description of nunchucks. Which was great. Nakano throws Medusa around by her hair for a bit and then just slams her face first into the mat. Medusa comes back with a series of sling blades, but Nakano grabs her by the legs and puts her in a modified scorpion. A hanging DDT off the top rope gets a two count, then a snapmare and a chin lock. A Frankensteiner by Medusa gets a two count. Nakano ducks a second wheel kick and hits a huge clothesline that gets two. A German suplex by Medusa gets a two. Bridging back suplex by Nakano gets a two. You get the gist here. Um, so I set flip for a two. Yeah, and then another bridging back suplex by Nakano gets two, which Randy Eller counts as three because he is the worst. Oh. Sonny Ono celebrates and grabs the sledgehammer. He oh. weakly hits the padded seat <laughs> of Medusa's Harley with the hammer. She runs at him, takes the hammer away, and destroys the Honda that Nakano didn't even ride to the ring. Uh, Tony then gives us the excuse that Randy Eller was counting a double pin and that Nakano's shoulders were down for three. B.S. If, if that was the case, wouldn't they both get to destroy the other's bike? Anyway, that's true. Tony asks for a replay to confirm this, and we are not provided with one. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. Oh, what kind of fucking garbage is that? <laughs> Let's see. I mean, first of all, the referee saw... The Bull Nakano hitting Medusa with the nunchucks, but because the bell didn't ring, he couldn't disqualify right. her. Right, exactly. And then, not the finish, but the first German suplex. First of all, the, the suplex was done perfectly because the shoulders are right on hard cam side. Mm -hmm. One, two, and then before he even was going to get to three, Medusa's right shoulder was already up. And then he counts again. And then the finish, he wasn't even looking at either of the shoulders. <laughs> it's like he was looking at Bull Nakano's shoulders. One, two, three. In my book, and but then of course, look at it this way. Would you really at a Sturgis motorcycle rally destroy an American bike? <laughs> No, no right. you would not. Right. So, in the most convoluted storyline finish since the Ready to Rumble cage, Bull Nakano gets screwed out of a victory because the referee was not paying attention to her in American opponent. <laughs> USA. <laughs> but that meant, I mean, it could have been, it could have been a lot better, but let's talk about Let's talk about the swing of Sonny Ono. My goodness. <laughs> what what a what a powerful powerful shot. I mean, absolutely. The the fact that even the chair bounced back the sledgehammer and was like, "You got to be kidding me." <laughs> 
number. Well, we can't act- we can't actually damage the motorcycle. So <laughs> no, no, and and by the way, uh. also kudos to Bobby the Brain Heenan for his interpretation of bikes being huffy and Schwinn, <laughs> and the pants up to the knees. Brilliance by the brain. I haven't seen anything that said Huffy, Schwinn, nothing. You got the wrong bicycle shirt, you know what I mean? You got the wrong bicycle shirt. You got the wrong shirt. Nobody's got the pants rolled up because the pants don't get caught in the chain guard. I don't understand this. You roll your pants up, you might get a muffler. You know, a muffler goes around your neck. Ha, ha. Hogwash. Digest. Brilliance. And, and Shivani, of course we don't want to see a replay. You don't want to see that. Thank you. No. Th- thank you. I, I understand where it's like in the old school, uh, with, uh, with Monsoon Heenan and Heenan wants a replay and Gorilla's like, we don't want a replay. We're not going to see yeah. that. <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's not show the finish of this match. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, we go back for everybody's favorite segment of the, <laughs> the evening. The Steiner brothers chatting on CompuServe. Yeah. They are also dressed horribly. Uh, Rick Steiner is apparently playing some kind of computer game instead of chatting. Uh, we then get more revving motorcycles, and Tony can't tell us if we're going to have another match or if we're going to talk to Mean Gene. Turns out we're going to have another match, uh, as Dean Malenko enters for his grudge match against Chris Benoit, or as the WWE Network puts it, Dean Malenko in singles action. Yes, and uh, let's see. First of all, before we get to uh, Malenko and Benoit uh, and the finish of this match... Um, <laughs> Dusty Rhodes during the CompuServe with the Steiner brothers. You know what he's doing? He's playing one of them games, playing one of them computer games. And <laughs> of course, Rick Steiner is. I mean, look at Rick Steiner for his whole WCW run. <laughs> until, okay, well, until really the Steiner brothers, when Rick Steiner debuted, he had a hand puppet. He did. He he had a hand puppet named Alex. And that was his only friend in the world until Scott Steiner came into the picture. <laughs> and just uh, one other thing, by the way. Um, the quote for um, this pay-per-view is, She got her. <laughs> remember that. Okay. Uh, but uh, now we've got Dean Malenko in singles action. Yes, Benoit is accompanied by Elizabeth and Woman, but does not come out to the horseman music for whatever reason. They stare each other down and then alternate mounted punches into the corner. Dean fights out with some knees to the midsection. Uh, Irish whip and a kitchen sink by Benoit, then into the corner. Uh, Malenko takes over and hits a beautiful vertical suplex. It gets a two count. Thank you, Nick Patrick. A neck breaker from Malenko, followed by an elbow drop and another two count as Woman shrieks. Loved it. Uh, Chinlock by Malenko as we get a shot of woman and Elizabeth talking. Bobby tells us that Hogan is here, Hall is here, Nash is here, and someone in this crowd of 250,000 is a member of the NWO. 250,000, Brain? Who are you, Vince McMahon? Well, you know, you've got to embellish it just a little bit. (laughs) By by, what, 110%? Yeah, (laughs) that's the whole point. Maybe even more than that. Maybe a thousand percent. Anyways, okay. we, we get a fun sequence of pin reversals, and Malenko hits a hip toss into a short arm scissors. Bobby Heenan then explains rest holds to us. Uh, Benoit manages to roll it into a pin, but only gets a two. He lefts Malenko up and drops him on his back to break it. A near fall and an Irish whip, and Benoit locks Malenko in an abdominal stretch. 
We get a crowd shot as Bobby makes fun of bikers and tells us he's jetting out of Sturgis as soon as the show is over. Sturgis. Can't blame him. Then a snap suplex and a diving headbutt gets a two count for Benoit. Malenko reverses a tombstone pile driver for a series of two counts. Benoit counters a cloverleaf into a small package for two. Malenko crossbodies Benoit over the ropes into the platform. Back in the ring for a huge superplex by Benoit that takes both men out. A quick scoop slam gets a two for Benoit. A big release German gets a two for Malenko. Another small package by Benoit gets two and four-fifths. Uh, short arm clothesline gets a two for Benoit. This is a fast-paced, high-intensity back-and-forth by these two men. Near-fall after near-fall after near-fall. We get an announcement from David Penzer that there are five minutes until the time limit expires. I don't remember a time limit being announced at the beginning of the match. Because there wasn't one. <laughs> Benoit puts Malenko in a lion-tamer-style uh, lion crab. Malenko Which was awesome. Basically only has his face on the mat. Uh, Benoit eventually releases it and sends Malenko out of the ring with a back elbow. He dives over the top rope, then a jackknife cover for two as Penzer gives us the three-minute warning. Three minutes? And we're out of here. Oh, we're out of here. Uh, we get the one-minute warning followed by a powerbomb by Benoit that gets a two, a superplex by Malenko when he crawls over, 30-second warning right before the two count on that, 15-second warning following an Oklahoma roll for two. Penzer counts us down from 10 on a powerbomb into a pin by Malenko. Benoit kicks out at two as time expires. This match is, as telegraphed by Penzer's time limit announcements, a time limit draw. The crowd was really into that 10-second countdown, by the way. <laughs> then we're informed that there must be a winner and that there will be a five-minute overtime. If there must be a winner, why have a time limit in the first place? Well, <laughs> that's true. And uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Five-minute overtime. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think the uh, I don't think the crowd reacted too well to that, and that uh, and that will uh, that will continue as we're into the first five minute overtime period. Yeah, yeah. Benoit locks Malenko into the cloverleaf while a woman shrieks at Benoit to hang in there. He's on offense, woman. I think he's hanging. But um, we get a four minute warning from Penzer. Benoit releases the hold, and we get a three minute warning. Then he gets nailed with an enziguri that takes him down after a second. We then get a double down after they knock heads in the corner. Two-minute warning as Malenko hobbles around. Benoit gets a leg lock on him as Malenko desperately tries to break the hold. A one-minute warning as Benoit releases the hold. He slams the knee some more and then a knee bar. 30-second warning. 15-second warning and Benoit releases the knee bar. Penzer begins to count from 10 again. And Benoit kicks out at 2 as the bell rings. Now we need another overtime period. We have to be a winner. Nick Patrick gives us another overtime. And the crowd crowd is pissed. pissed. This is getting <laughs> ridiculous. I loved it. Uh, I loved it. On Malenko, then he blocks a kick and takes Benoit over in a dragon screw. Now Benoit's knee hurts. Dra- dragon suplex by Benoit gets a two. Malenko grabs the ropes to avoid a drop kick and locks Benoit in the cloverleaf. Benoit squirms free, so Malenko's in a chin lock. Uh, or puts on a chin lock, rather. Woman tries to crawl into the ring, and Malenko grabs her by the wrist. This distraction allows Benoit to roll him up for a three count. This was a great match, but the enjoyment of it was hampered uh, slightly by the ridiculousness of the time limit and the insistence on overtime. Well, you know, this has got to throw in the NHL in there. I mean, we have a double <laughs> five-minute overtime period. And, uh, I mean, well, let me see. What was it? This was August of 96. Okay, so WrestleMania 12. Let's see. They had sudden death. So why couldn't we just have – so why couldn't we just have sudden death instead of no. – instead of Two five-minute overtime periods, but I will say this. 
that the next match that uh, you and I are going to cover uh, certainly made up for that five-minute overtime period. It was a great match, very physical. Um, this, I, I consider it a sleeper match uh, on the show, um, despite the fact that the crowd really couldn't give two splits. Um, but great match between Bel- uh, Malenko and Benoit. As Dusty would, would say at the end, maybe that's a shame. That's a shame. That's a shame that he had that great match right there, and then all of a sudden they use the use the tats and use that rope right there. So, <laughs> other than that, I mean, it was a great it was a great match. Um, definitely a sleeper match on the on the show. Sure. But the crowd was into the uh, the WCW World Tag Team Championship match coming up. <laughs> yes. We get more shots of the rally as we get the World Tag Team Title graphic. What a horrible <laughs> graphic! We then get a good minute or two of the Steiner's theme song before they appear. Thankfully, not wearing the awful biker costumes they were wearing on CompuServe. So Thank they, God. They were changing there. Yeah. Uh, Harlem Heat are accompanied by Sherry and Colonel Parker. I almost feel bad for Colonel Parker wearing that full suit in August outside in South Dakota. But I don't feel that bad. Uh, <laughs> Harlem Heat immediately begins working the crowd. There are jokes that can be made about two black guys taunting a crowd full of bikers, but I shall refrain. Got that right. Uh, Booker attempts to start with Scott, but the crowd goes mental, honking and revving and making a whole shitload of noise. Scott eventually takes advantage of this distraction with a butterfly suplex, then a snap suplex, then Rick comes in and clotheslines Booker, and he bails to regroup. Back in the ring for some back and forth and a gorilla press by Steiner into the corner and up for a 10, almost punch. Uh, some of those didn't connect at all. <laughs> that that's that settles for the almost punch. And by the way, Booker, there's a lot of profanity in this match, <laughs> particularly by one Steiner brother, Sans Rick, um, which we'll go into that at the end. Booker T and Stevie Ray, um, you know, calling them, uh, calling the crowd hillbillies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe not the smartest move. Uh, in Sturgis, South Dakota. You, you got to get that heat, brother. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, get get that his heat. Uh, on the outside, Rick threatens Sherry and Parker, and then Stevie Ray tags in. Steiner ducks a big boot and takes Stevie over, then tags in Rick. Rick gets a chin lock as the engines rev, and someone throws a bottle into the ring. Yes! Irish whip and a big diving suplex takes down Stevie. Scott tags back in and hits a headbutt to the lower, lower abdomen. Yeah. Sherry screams about having a nervous breakdown as Booker tags back in. Uh, Belly-to-belly suplex out of the corner gets a two-count for Scott, and he tags Rick in. Booker gets a thumb to the eye, but Rick blocks the suplex attempt and answers with one of his own for two. Irish whip by Booker, and Stevie hits Rick from behind. They swap, and Stevie works over Rick on the mat. Irish whip, and Stevie tries a leapfrog, but gets caught and slammed for two. Which I love that spot. It's pretty good. Scott tags in, hits a dropkick on Stevie, then an STF, which Booker comes in to break up. Thank Steiner God. switch as another bottle hits the ring. <laughs> yeah. Booker fights to his feet, and Rick gets low-bridged by Stevie on the Irish whip. Randerson Where is dist- security? <laughs> Randerson gets distracted on the other side as Stevie drives Rick into the ring post. Rick ducks a kick and dumps Booker out of the ring. Parker rolls Booker back in so he can tag Stevie. An extended chin lock by Stevie, then Rick hits the ropes and gets a bicycle kick to the face. Booker tags in, gets a two-count, another chin lock. Tony is about to tell us about the September pay-per-view, but he is interrupted as Randerson checks Rick's hand on the chin lock, and he never comes back to it. Thank you, Randy Anderson. <laughs> Harlem sidekick by Booker, and he hits. T- he tags in Stevie with just a finger. Oh, I Ray- love that tag. I, gotta, <laughs> I, gotta, I love that tag. That, that's the heat tag right there. That's, the, that's that one finger. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is arrogance personified. And I think, oh, that's right. We passed by the uh, profanity. That's when Scott Steiner called uh, Sensuous Sherry a bitch. 
Thank you, WWE Network, for not censoring that footage. I'm pretty good about that. Brainbuster by Stevie gets two. He slams Rick in the corner and tags in Booker, who misses a second rope elbow drop. Rick tags in Scott, and Scott cleans house overhead belly to belly on Booker, and Stevie makes the save. Parker and Sherry get on the apron. Scott ducks the powder from Parker, but not the powder from Sherry. Then Parker breaks his cane over Scott's head, and Booker pins Scott for three to retain the titles. Interesting finish there. I like that they both had powder. Just in it, case. Just it's in it's case. it's the swerviest of swerves, I tell you. <laughs> and let's I mean Scott Scott Steiner was uh, was on his own. I mean, math aside, you know, he was you know, he looked impressive, looked imposing, biggest guy in the match, obviously. Mm-hmm. Let's see, called called Sherry a bitch, <laughs> threw up a middle finger, which I did catch that. Um, suplexes were, I mean, other than Taz, you know, Steiner felt, uh, Steiner threw great suplexes. Harlem Heat as a team during WCW, they were the only team credible. <laughs> they were the only, they were the only team at that time, sans the outsiders, who can get over on the Steiner brothers. And by the way, that, that one finger heat tag <laughs> is amazing. But I loved, I loved this tag team title match from start to finish. And after the double overtime session where you're playing NHL 95 and you just can never finish the game, um, this match is what it needed after that. Because I think the finish, at least in the crowd's mind, I think it fell flat. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, what do we need these two five-minute overtimes? Yeah. This this was the real pickup on the second half of the show. And I think the crowd really got into this match. Because if you didn't notice, there was more bottles being thrown into the <laughs> ring after the Harlem Heat won the, retained the tag team titles. Yeah, I Personally, I felt like there was something missing here, though I'm not sure what it was. Um, I almost fell asleep a couple of times during this match. Uh, plus, I feel like there was no actual build to the to the interference finish. There didn't There didn't have to be. I mean, no, you know what? There was an actual build. See, if Scott Steiner hadn't Scott called Steiner Sherry called that, Sherry a bitch. exactly. <laughs> See, that's what it was. If you, if Scott Steiner didn't have that derogatory name, the Steiners would have left Sturgis with the WCW World Tag Team Championship. <laughs> I suppose you're right. And and that middle finger too. That 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 deserved that powder. Uh, but we go from the World Tag Team Title match to well. More motorcycle madness mm-hmm. from the Mall of America. Yes, we get footage of the WCW motorcycle trip from the Mall of America to Sturgis, and then more of the bikers from the rally, including an incredibly gratuitous shot of a woman's ass. That's hog wild. Uh-huh. Another shot of a hot air balloon, as it is United States title time. Eddie Guerrero tries to take the title from Ric Flair tonight. Horrible graphic. <laughs> this, is a hor- this is a horrible Horrible graphic. There's a lot of that tonight. Of I, that. I, I I think so, but yeah, this was a, a great match here. Yeah, Eddie enters alone. Flair has women, woman, and Elizabeth. Tony tells us that the bikers have been there since 10:30 this morning, as the sun begins to set on Sturgis and the stage lights come on around the ring. Now, how would he know that? What What have they been doing in that time? Is the question. <laughs> yes, I'm exactly. Guess a lot of drinking. Uh, I mean, hey, you know, let's see, ten thirty. Yeah, I, I would think so. I, I would think so. Ten thirty this morning. Great investigative reporting. All, all two hundred and fifty thousand of them. <laughs> yeah, or twenty five thousand. <laughs> the bell rings and Flair backs Guerrero into the corner. Guerrero turns it around, lets Flair go, and Flair woos. Shoulder blocked by Eddie, and Flair gets frustrated, so Eddie shoves him down again. Flair jaws with the ref, and then bails. 
Back in the ring and they lock up into a headlock, a push-off, and then he gets shoulder-blocked, a leapfrog, a headlock, and an awkward suplex attempt, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And Ed- Eddie hits the floor as Flair complains about his wrist. Back in the ring, Flair chops Eddie into the corner. Since it's Flair, Eddie no-sells it and swaps and then chops Flair a few times. They swap again, a chop from Flair, a no-sell, and Flair bails again. Back in the ring in a test of strength, almost. A lock-up, a headlock takeover. Flair rolls it into a pin for a few two-counts. He shoves Eddie down and Eddie kips up. Eddie goes on the attack. Irish whip into the corner and a back body drop on the return as the lights go out. A chop knocks Eddie down and then a punch. Then a noogie. <laughs> Flair <laughs> continues on offense as the lights slowly come back on. That's Eddie part of the gets, headlock, you know. <laughs> Eddie gets a burst of energy and Flair gets drop kicked to the floor. Back in the ring and another back body drop. Eddie then clotheslines Flair over the top rope to the floor and Flair retains the title by disqualification. Give me a break! Of course he doesn't. Flair re-enters the <laughs> ring and begs off. Eddie hits some quick jabs and some chops in the corner, and Flair flops. Flair goes to the eyes and then bails, and Eddie drops. Eddie ducks a back elbow and hits a crossbody on the return for two. Another pin attempt for two. Eddie goes up top, tries for a sunset flip, and avoids the punch. A drop toe hold, and Flair goes down. Then Eddie puts Flair in the figure four as woman shrieks. Love the shriek. Ugh, that makes one of us. Yep. Springboard Hurricane Rana gets a two for Eddie. They trade chops, and Eddie hits a tornado DDT that gets a two. Irish whip across, Flair avoids the elbow, Flair goes up top, and it goes about as well as you'd expect, which gets we're, a two count. We're not in 2005 yet, people. Not yet. Sunset flip attempt, and Eddie pulls Flair's pants down. This gets a two. Terrible. A, a chop by Flair, and Eddie pokes Flair in the eyes. Frog splash by Eddie, but he manages to injure his own knee somehow. Flair locks on the figure four, grabbing the top rope in the process, and then woman's hands, and Randy Eller counts Eddie's shoulders down. I can't help but feel slightly disappointed by that match. I don't know what I was expecting. I, or I don't know that I was expecting Eddie to win, but the, the ending just seemed so random and forced. Like, all of a sudden, his knee hurts, so Flair gets to use the figure four. I don't know. Well, I I, I still think that uh, Benoit and Malenko does outrank this match, even though it was a title match. Uh, I think Eddie and Flair did good. I mean, you have to understand, I think for me, you know, Flair is still... Uh, Flair is still in his, in his prime. He's got to find a dastardly way to win matches somehow. And I think Ric Flair, Flair, you never really needed a reason for Ric Flair to beat somebody. Yeah. Uh, just because Ric Flair could. Um, I don't think, uh, Eddie Guerrero, I mean, Eddie Guerrero, I think, you know, he was already, I think he was already U.S. champion, I, be- I believe, once already by this time. Yeah. So, um, you know, just for the fact that Eddie wrestling Ric Flair on a big pay-per-view, I think that was good for Eddie. Um, I think the finish really benefited Flair, and I think it benefited Eddie, um, too, just because of the figure four, um, you know, Eddie passing out from the pain, so it's not like a regular tap out. Yeah. But I do feel, though, I do agree with you that, you know, it could have been, you know, a little more there. Um, but... You know, got to save it for the two remaining main events, brother. <laughs> I also like that, that Ric Flair went from holding the top rope to then going down to the mat and holding women's arms as though somehow woman on the outside was giving him more leverage than the top rope. Really, she was. It's a much better visual. And, I mean, to, 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 to be honest, it, it was. And by the way, Ric Flair, thank you for telling everybody just what he was walking out that he was, let me see if I got this right here in my, uh, in my notes. Oh, that's right. That he was 1200 cc's. <laughs> yes. Vroom, vroom, nature boy. Vroom, vroom. But no, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. But, uh, you know, right now, I think this is what 
this is what everybody was uh, was coming yeah. to see, uh, minus the uh, merchandise shilling uh, Jimmy Hart. Right. We go to Gene with Jimmy Hart and the Giant. Jimmy tells Hogan not to trip and fall because he's old, maybe. Uh, Giant says he was a huge Hulkamaniac when he was a kid, but he saw Hogan's true colors long before anyone else's did. How? <laughs> ashes to ashes, dust to dust, screaming, etc. Gene sends us back to the ring as it's tag team grudge match time. The Outsiders versus Sting and Luger. Where's the tag team grudge match graphic? Apparently that didn't, <laughs> apparently that didn't make it either. Uh, enter the Outsiders as commentary talks about the fourth man. Enter Luger. Wow! And Sting, Sting wearing another ridiculous jacket. Because he's Sting and he can do that. True. Team WCW gets the first pyro of the night as all the bikes honk and rev. Uh, Nick Patrick rings the bell with all four men in the ring as the engines continue to rev. Hall That's and Nash right. Rochambeau to determine who will start. It's Hall's scissors over Nash's paper. He starts with Luger but throws his toothpick at Sting. Uh, lock up, back into a neutral corner, and Patrick has a hard time breaking it up. An arm ringer by Luger, and Tony asks if anyone's seen Savage, despite telling us last week that as a trade for getting the first world title shot after Hog Wild, he's not allowed to be here tonight. Uh, Hall drives Nash down and taunts him, then has a chat with Nash. Luger looks upset. Luger blocks a hip toss out of the corner, hits one of his own, then goes on the attack with a big knee lift and a big body slam. Hall tags out, and Luger makes his titties dance. <laughs> Nash wants yeah, Sting. Yeah, so there's that narcissist in him. Oh, yes. Uh, this makes Sting mad uh, as Luger tags him in. Sting then spits on Nash, so Nash punches him in the face and then laughs at him for falling over. Good. Sting retaliates with a punch of his own, which staggers Nash into the ropes, but he doesn't go down. Sting ducks a clothesline, tries a slam, but he can't get Nash up. Sounds like a personal problem. Sting with the strikes, <laughs> ducking clotheslines, quick jabs, he ducks a rebound clothesline, pokes Nash in the eyes, and succeeds in slamming him. Then he knocks Hall down. Into the corner, he tries to up and over, but gets caught and gets snake eyes. He Then he stumbles into a fist from Hall. Nash tags Hall back in. Hall beats on Sting in their corner, then distracts Nick Patrick so Nash can get a shot in. Nash, Smart wrestling. Yeah, Nash tags back in and hits some knees in the corner. Another referee distraction so Hall can get a shot in. A short-arm clothesline takes Sting down, and Nash just stares at Luger. Back into the outsider's corner, Hall tags back in. We get an Irish whip, a ducked clothesline, a countered crossbody, and Hall drops Sting with the fallaway slam. Then he just taunts Sting on the mat. Into the corner in a charging clothesline by Hall, Nash tags in and chokes Sting with his boot a couple times. Nick Patrick gets drawn out and Hall clotheslines Sting down. Sting with some desperation kicks and strikes. He gets Nash to his knees but can't make the tag. Back into a neutral corner and Nash completely whiffs a boot to the face. Irish whip, a ducked clothesline, they just mash bodies. D Nash goes down, Sting wobbles around and then headbutts Nash in the dick to the delight of Tony Schiavone. <laughs> Nash gets the tag and he cuts Sting off. Bobby roots for Hall and Tony gets pissed. Sting is in so much peril. Because he's the franchise. Yeah. Hall knocks Sting down and gets a two count. Hall Irish whips Sting. Nash hits the big boot and they taunt. Nash calls for the Razor's... Up, 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 up. Sorry, the Outsider's Edge and tags there in Hall. Go. Hall gets Sting in position, but Sting counters with the backdrop and one of the most lackadaisical hot tags I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, Luger cleans house Hall and Nash end up in corners Luger attacks Hall Sting appears out of nowhere and hits Stinger with the Stinger splash they brawl to the outside and Sting eventually gets Nash in the death lock as inside the ring Luger calls for the torture rack he Irish whips Hall and hits a p sloppy power slam he picks Hall up and Hall barely makes contact with Patrick who flops around like a fish Luger tries to lift Hall again, and Patrick tries a chop block, which Luger ignores, so Patrick has to do it a second time. Luger drops, Hall on top, and Nick Patrick counts the three, giving the victory to the Outsiders. 
Uh, Nick Patrick rolls out of the ring holding his head as Sting re-enters the ring. Patrick and Hall talk on the outside. Dusty complains about a fast count as we get a wide shot. That was not a fast count. <laughs> I enjoyed that match, actually. I'm not going to say it was the best match of the night, but it's high on the list for this show. Uh, there's a certain inherent excitement to it because it's the only, you know, only the Outsiders' second match in WCW, and there's the threat of the fourth man and the fifth man, though... If the fourth man turns out to be Nick Patrick, that's going to be rather stupid. Uh, those were pretty blatant chop blocks, though. Speaking of which, the finish was rather strange, which does detract a bit, but that seems to be the theme tonight. Especially when we go into the main event, which we'll talk about here in a second, but I thought that this match was great. And at the time, when even the inclusion, the introduction of the fourth man, you didn't really know who it was. And back in 96... Unless it was something completely, blatantly obvious of Nick Patrick being in the NWO. And even later on, they dragged out the Nick Patrick story, which to me, hey. on that in the coming weeks. Yep. mm -hmm. But the, uh, I mean, I I thought that this match was great. Like you said, even though it was the Outsiders' second match uh, in the company, at that time, you know, you thought that, once you saw them in that company, they stayed. So you didn't really get to see this interpromotional uh, weaving between WWF and WCW where Hall and Nash went from the WWF to WCW. So when you see this, I think you were really excited to figure out what they were going to do. And you wanted at the time, I think as a kid and being a rebel, um, which all kids were at that time, I think you really wanted the NWO to succeed. Mm-hmm. And Holland is like, yeah, Sting and Luke are there, the good guys. But, you know, those are the guys that are cool, um, which they were. And I thought it was a good it was a good victory for them. It was a by any means necessary tactic mm-hmm. uh, for Holland Nash. I thought that was great. Uh, Sting carried the whole damn match <laughs> for the team. Um Luger, you know, made his boobies dance. Um, but Sting and Luger were a good tag team. That kind of represented the old establishment from WCW. And Hall and Nash coming in, taking whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. Uh, Nick Patrick, blatant or not, I have no problem with that. Um, but I think it just added to the whole dynamic of the match. So I thought it was a very good match and a very good setup for the main event. Sure. Um, and it is main event time, but first we get more motorcycle footage. Back to the wide shot as Tony reminds the kids at home that it's almost back to school time. Thanks, Tony. Uh, yeah. Which means it's almost fall brawl, which means I've almost covered a year of WCW on this show. There's more to come, folks. Uh, the WCW World Heavyweight title is now on the line, and Michael Buffer is here in Sturgis. That's where the free pot pie and Mountain Dew comes from because you have to pay Michael Buffer to show up. Uh, Buffer welcomes us to Hogwild almost Uh, two and a half hours into a three-hour show. Yeah. Uh, Buffer tries to (laughs) announce over the honking of horns and the revving of engines. How much do you want to bet that Buffer will be on a private jet the fuck out of South Dakota before the opening bell even rings? I'll bet everything. Because once again, welcome back to Hogwild because we're now at the main event time. So... That's, that's kind of like a screw you to Penzer, doesn't it? Isn't it always? I mean, to, 
I mean, hell, I mean, no, let's just pay Michael Buffer to do every main event. Yeah. So I'm pretty certain that for the entire rest of WCW's existence, that the catering actually was <laughs> free pot pie and Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Michael Buffer. But uh, uh, let's get ready to rumble. And uh, the Ho- which I'll get to the Hogan uh, deal in a minute. But uh, ironically, the Hulkster comes in alone. What? Yeah. So Hogan is wearing a Terminator T-shirt with the letters NWO on it. Buffer talks about how Hogan used to wear red and yellow, but now he's turned his back on everyone. Uh, apparently that's an official shirt, so they just ripped off the Terminator for the design. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Tony says he's never seen a Hogan entrance like that. Dusty is sad for about half a second until the fireworks start going off, and then he gets all excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Giant enters with Jimmy Hart. His nameplate is Slime Green for some reason. Uh, Didn't you see that on Nitro? Because for some reason, the Giants graphic was outlined in green on some occasions. And I'm just going, yeah, he's not in the Dungeon of Doom anymore. (laughs) The Giant. Uh, uh, Also, Michael Buffer announces him not as the Giant, but merely as... Oh, boy. Giant! (laughs) Weird. Uh, Giant enters the ring. Hogan leaves the ring. And the crowd chants for Hogan. Have they not been paying attention? Nope. <laughs> Hogan tries to get into the ring a few times, but Giant won't let him. Meanwhile, Jimmy Hart is still in the ring. So Hogan leaves. Randerson starts counting, but Giant stops him. Dusty asks about Savage and then asks where these other mystery NWO members are. Hogan Baby, where the hell is Macho Man? Where is he? Where's, where's Macho Man? He's not here. He's not allowed to be there. Well, if Shivani had earlier in the show reminded us that, yeah. instead of wondering, uh. God. Hogan avoids a shot in the corner. Giant no-sells his offense, so Hogan bails again. Back in the ring, and they lock up a headlock by Hogan. A push-off and a shoulder block, so Hogan bails again. He tries to get the crowd to boo him by telling them to shut up. This does not work. Because it's what they want, brother! Back in the ring, another headlock and a side suplex by the Giant, and Hogan bails again. I'm sensing a theme. Giant stalks Mm -hmm. Hogan. Uh... Back in the ring, Hogan ducks between the ropes, so Giant pulls what's left of his hair. Giant, Hogan tries to draw Giant in again, and Giant demands Hogan step to the middle of the ring. According to the dots on the network timeline bar, we're halfway through this match, and nothing has happened yet. That's half the bonus right there. <sighs> Test of strength, because Hogan is an idiot. Hogan takes advantage by kicking Giant's legs out of his legs. Hogan can barely hold Giant's hands, they're so large. Hogan threatens to break Giant in half. How he plans to do that via Giant's hands, I don't know. Uh, On his knees, by the way, Giant, only about a foot and a half shorter than Hogan. Giant powers back to his feet and drives Hogan to his knees and then an arm bar into an overhand wrist lock. Hogan distracts Randerson and pulls Giant's hair to get him down. That was quite the hair pull. Uh, Hogan now has an arm bar on the Giant on the mat. Giant tries to fight back up, but Hogan fights him off with leverage. Back down to the mat, Hogan still working that arm. Knee to the back, then back to the mat with an overhead wrist lock on Giant. Giant tries to reverse it, so Hogan goes back to the hair and Giant goes down again. God, this is dull. (laughs) Giant fights up once more, then uses Hogan's hair to take him down. A series of headbutts by the Giant, and Hogan goes over the top rope to the floor. Hogan pulls Giant out by his feet and strikes him again, then throws him into the ring post. He scratches Giant's back a few times, which, as I've said before, makes no goddamn sense because he's wearing gloves. Yeah. 
Giant blocks another ring post shot and shoves Hogan into the post, back into the ring, Irish whip into the corner, a boot to the gut, a whip across, and another boot to the gut. Into the ropes and a huge side backbreaker by the Giant. Hogan gets his foot on the ropes at two there. Body slam by the Giant, but Hogan avoids the big leaping elbow drop. Hogan back on the offensive with some strikes that Giant doesn't sell. The height, I tell you. <laughs> giant. Giant's up. Giant's off, yeah. Uh, point, finger wag, and all. F- three chops, big boot. He calls for the choke slam, but the outsiders appear. He throws Hall off the buckle. Hogan bails. Giant choke slams Hall. He avoids a megish phone shot from Nash and choke slams Nash. Hogan brings the title belt into the ring and clocks the Giant with it, and that's the three count. And Shivani is devastated. Your winner and the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Hollywood Hulk. Hogan, the trash, begins to enter the ring as the NWO celebrates. This was not great. It took forever to get going, if it even ever did. The Giant no-sells most of Hogan's offense and then goes down to one measly belt shot. I don't know. This did not impress me at all. Yes, it did. You know why? Because that is where the power lies, in the palm of his hands. (laughs) He had the belt in the palm of his hands. That's right, I can say belt. And he decked the giant with it. The match, gotta agree, but the finish, as far as WCW history, sound bites from years to come. (laughs) Shivani completely devastated that the giant lost the title. Uh, Bobby Heenan saying Hogan's a champion, Hogan's the winner, Hogan's the winner. And then are we, oh yes, I think we're here. Yes, we are. Yes, the booty yes. man appears with a birthday oh, yeah. cake for Hogan. Hogan takes the microphone and starts us off with a little rap. Yeah. Booty takes the mic and congratulates Hogan, wishes him a happy birthday, thanks him for 22 years of support. Hogan says he considers booty like blood, says something about Ric Flair in Denver, Colorado, and then buy the shirt and then says the the NWO is successful because they don't mix business with friendship. Hogan then has the outsiders beat the shit out of the booty man. Hooray. See, Rick, see, Rick, that that goes to show you, you cannot have the NWO and the horsemen coexist. (laughs) He then weakly hits booty with the title. Hogan unwraps the present that the booty stuck in the cake and surprise. It's spray paint. How did you know? Hogan, baby, the booty the booty is stuck in the cake, baby. <laughs> Hogan sprays NWO on the title. How did how did Booty know that Hogan wanted spray paint? I guess, you know, that what they, what they say is true. You should always buy someone something that they wouldn't buy for themselves. Yeah. <sighs> true friendship right there. The NWO then leaves, leaving the cake and the giant laying in the ring. That's a good cake. <laughs> no, I mean... Yeah, listen. I mean, if if that was a if that was a good cake, then hell, man, you can't. <laughs> that that's gonna go well at the free pot pie and Mountain Dew right there. <laughs> Back to the desk as Tony talks about how upset he is that Hogan spray painted the belt. Dusty, <laughs> Dusty agrees, saying it was unbelievable that he saw the belt he wore be disrespected. Dusty makes a very good point, asking why no one from WCW came out to assist the giant when he needed it. Thank you, Dusty. Uh, Bobby doesn't get a chance to speak as we go to the credits. We again hold on Bischoff's name as executive producer, despite him being nowhere to be found for the last two weeks, and Hogwild goes off the air. Producing via satellite. <laughs> now, uh, all right, I, I feel like, all in all, this wasn't a bad show. Uh, I think it was a decent show hampered by some weird finishes. Uh, the odd finish to the women's match, the overtime sunny, nonsense in the Benoit Malone sunny, match. Sunny Ono sledgehammer shot. <laughs> The snooze fest that was Norton versus Ice Train. But all in all, 
a decent show. What do you think? Yeah, I got to agree with you. Uh, you know, it was definitely decent, had its peaks and valleys, but uh, I think for all the right matches, for all the right reasons, the really the beginning of the initial takeover for the NWO, I think that's what uh, that's what uh, Hog Wild is going to be remembered for, which probably makes sense why there was only one. <laughs> well, uh, Cage Match agrees. The show has a 6.55 out of 10 over there with three recommended matches, Rey Mysterio versus Ultimate Dragon. Chris yep. Benoit versus Dean Malenko and Ric Flair yep. versus Eddie Guerrero. Personally, I think I would pick Benoit and Malenko as match of the night. What do you say? I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I think minus the – if you are able to get the uh, the uh, two five overtime periods out of the way, I think the match would have done very well just on its own for the full 20 minutes. Um, but, yeah, definitely a match of the night, Benoit and Malenko, as it should be. Mm-hmm. Cage Match also estimates the attendance at 5,000. So What? But it's impossible to tell because, again, they didn't actually sell tickets for this thing. It was considered part of the rally and was basically general admission with the ticket, with your ticket to the rally itself. Wait a minute. Great way to run a show. Wait a minute. So it wasn't 250,000? I'm sorry to say it wasn't 250,000. It, was, it wasn't even 25,000? Son of a bitch. <laughs> Well, uh, well, with, uh, let's see, Hogwild, yeah, six and a half out of ten from Cage. Yeah, I would agree with that. Benoit Malenko, uh, match of the night, of course. Uh, Ric Flair, 1200 cc's, understandable. <laughs> uh, the Sonny Ono sledgehammer shot, most powerful move of the night. Of course. Uh, let's see, the screw job finished by the Outsiders, first of all, Sting and Luger deserved it, mainly because it was Lex Luger. <laughs> and uh, the World Heavyweight Championship match, watch that match simply for the sheer devastation that is, or was the voice of Tony Schiavone, <laughs> when Randerson counted the 1-2-3. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, yeah, definitely a, a, a decent show, but... Uh, uh, twenty forty eight hours later, we have a Nitro. Mm-hmm. It is Monday Nitro, episode 48. It is Monday, August 12th, and we are live from, don't be Orlando, don't be Orlando, don't be Orlando, Casper, Wyoming. Ha! It's so bizarre for there to be a live broadcast from Wyoming that Cage Match can't even tell me what arena this is. The home of Eric Bischoff. The pro wrestling wiki tells me that this is the Casper Events Center in Casper, Wyoming. Cage Match shows only three events that took place in this building, none of them televised. But again, it didn't know that this event took place in this building. So uh, the wiki tells me that a couple of episodes of WCW Saturday Night were taped here in 99. Here is the entire Wikipedia article about the Casper Events Center. Oh, boy. The Casper Events Center is an 8,395-seat multi-purpose arena in Casper, Wyoming, in the United States. The arena was built in April 1982 and also seats up to 9,700 for concerts and meetings. It was home to the Wyoming Cavalry Arena football team until 2013. It is still home to Broadway and Casper Theater Series. It was home to the Casper Coyotes hockey team. In addition, it serves as the host of the College National Finals Rodeo in June. That's it. Damn, illustrious history. (laughs) Larry even opens the show by telling us we are in the middle of nowhere. And he's right! Shivani screams, as always, but it's nice and distorted tonight as they haven't properly adjusted his audio levels. <laughs> Tony says that this is a very dark day in the annals of WCW history. Wait a minute. So, that means Hog Wild wasn't? <laughs> Two days ago, Hulk Hogan desecrated the WCW world title. 
Larry is even wearing all black because he's so upset. He's in mourning. We go to photos from Saturday as Tony tells us that 250,000 all over the world came to the rally and came to see WCW. Again, Cage Match says there were only about 5,000 people at the show, so do the math yourself. We then get some specific coverage of Nick Patrick costing Luger the, the tag match. Tony Give me a break. Three title matches tonight. You'll remember what happened the last time they promised that. Your opening contest this week is an eight-man tag, the teams of High Voltage and Rough and Ready taking <laughs> on the Dungeon of Doom, the Taskmaster, Hugh Morris, and the Faces of Fear. So High Voltage um, and Rough and Ready, otherwise known as Enhancement Talent Incorporated. <laughs> Who? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Sullivan does not look dressed to wrestle tonight, but apparently he is in his weird t-shirt and jeans. Hugh Morris starts us off with the blonde voltage. Let's say that's chaos. That is uh, that is Kenny Chaos. And uh, actually, before the match even started, did you see the introductions for Rough and Ready and High Voltage? It didn't even seem like they wanted to team up with each other. <laughs> like, like, what are you guys doing here? Like, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to share this time with you. Yeah. And Kevin Sullivan just coming out and just being a badass. Like, I don't care. I could beat everybody's ass right now. <laughs> High Voltage hit a double shoulder block on Hugh, and the Faces of Fear take them out, so Rough and Ready come in to take out the Faces of Fear. Meng pins Rage after a straight kick to the head. Good! For half a second, I fear that this is an elimination match since the bell doesn't ring, but Tony tells us that the match is over as Rough and Ready attack High Voltage. Then we go to break. Hooray. So that, <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing that happened. Yes, it was a thing that happened. I'm actually mm-hmm. watching the... Uh... I'm actually watching video clips of that match right now. Good God almighty, what a cluster. <laughs> Thank you, Ming. Oh, and that oh, that was a glancing kick, by the way. Thank you, Randerson. One, two, this, three. This Thursday is another Clash of the Champions event from Denver, Colorado. Tony tells us, as Luger and Sting appear, uh, Luger says he won't have any more sleepless nights after what happened last night, but doesn't tell us what it is that happened last night, since last night wasn't Saturday. Yeah. Sting makes a challenge for right here, right now against the Outsiders. They get in the ring, and Sting lays the challenge down again. In the crowd, we get a shot of a dude who has printed the letters N-W-O and a circle with a line through it on a single piece of 8.5 by 11 printer paper. The, The Outsiders do not appear. Sting says he's not surprised by this, and they give up as we go back to break. Good segment. Because you're not... First of all, Sting is now the spokesperson for Lex Luger. (laughs) <laughs> he thank, is thank goodness Luger's going yeah let me just flex my pecs here let Sting do all the talking here yeah Glacier, <laughs> Glacier does karate enter Renegade as we come back He'll Glacier does karate on. yeah we'll be taking on Diamond Dallas in yet another match for the Lord of the Ring 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 yeah uh, DDP tries to be sneaky in the corner and gets an arm drag for his troubles. They trade arm bars and Dallas goes for the rope break. Renegade powers out of a headlock off the ropes and DDP attempts a shoulder block but gets staggered by Renegade's amazing power of staying still. <laughs> Similar spot and Renegade shoulder blocks Paige across the ring. A nice big clothesline by Dallas and he stomps away at Renegade. Tony tells us that right after this match we'll hear from the NWO. DDP stays on offense with a series of chin locks. He brings Renegade to the bat, and Renegade's legs bounce off the bottom rope on the way down, and Nick Patrick does nothing to break the hold. DDP uses the ropes himself briefly, but Renegade fights back after his hand drops twice. A quick schoolboy gets two after Renegade avoids a corner attack. Renegade goes on the offense with a series of clotheslines, but DDP counters a suplex into the diamond cutter for three. Hooray. DDP wins again. But this... I... 
uh, for some reason, the DDP matches on Nitro leading up to his real big push, those intrigued me. Just because it it was slowly getting the diamond cutter over into a big time finishing maneuver. Sure, sure. And when DDP would become a fan favorite, as soon as he threw up that sign, you knew sooner or later it was going to happen. And even though, first of all, DDP, that hair though, <laughs> that that hair, um, that hair was absolutely tremendous. Uh, he had the best hair in the ring that night. Second only, uh, first, uh, Nick Patrick being second right there. Uh, but <laughs> we, yeah. We've talked about it on the show, on the show on previous episodes. It is a, basically, it is a permed mullet, basically. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. And I thought that it was, uh, DDP with the Renegade who, I mean, really, you know, defeating the Renegade who was a former world television champion, if you can believe it at once upon a time. <laughs> but, uh, DDP solely getting the diamond cutter in and DDP was, you know, he was getting over as a workhorse being charismatic. And let's face it, I would much rather watch this DDP than the DDP of a year and a half ago when he had the, he had Kimberly, Max Muscle and eight and a half million dollars and they all lost to Johnny B. Bad and yeah, but I, this DDP was, uh, was starting to get over. Eat your heart out, Randy Orton. Yeah, we are backstage with the NWO. They work on New World Order time, and we'll face Sting and Luger when they're good and goddamn ready, which yeah. Hall then tells us will be later on tonight. Guess they'll be ready. Uh, he also tells them not to blame Nick Patrick for their loss on Saturday because he's a good referee. I got I to gotta agree with that. <laughs> I have to agree with they that. They suggest that the fourth and possibly fifth guy are in the room, and the cameraman could certainly pan over to prove or disprove that, but he doesn't. Why give it away? Uh, Hogan says he's not really in favor of Hall and Nash wrestling tonight, but eventually he comes around. Tony confirms that we don't know when that match will happen, but it will happen tonight. So and he sends us to break. So that hey. will mean that he, when Shivani, so Shivani's not going to confirm when that will happen, but it will happen tonight. So that definitely counts as the later part. Yeah, uh, a surprisingly low-key, almost relaxed promo from the NWO there. Yeah, I, I I think so too. And uh, I mean, when hey, when three guys are on a sofa doing a promo, you better be relaxed. <laughs> uh, but I I thought that as weird as it was with the NWO, they had the mantra there, and I'm actually looking at that right now. And by the way, Nash is uh, looking up at uh, you. I don't think you saw this, but on the actual television broadcast, Nash is looking up like he's getting direction from somebody to start the actual <laughs> tape. Uh, from the promo but uh the nwo they just had a look of we can go out there whenever we want and we can kick your ass because we can right um so at that time really didn't matter they they knew they could do that Mm -hmm. but uh we go from the nwo to this saturday on saturday night yes this saturday night the horseman and eight-man tag action the giant in action as well wait 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 good informative commercial there giant gets the the back he was announced as giant at Roadwild. <laughs> now all of a sudden he gets the giant back. Okay, all right, we know that he's a thing now. Yeah. All right. In the uh, ring, and Conan is taking on Joe Gomez, I think. Let me take a look at this. Yeah, classic champion. They trade hip tosses and. Oh, that's, J- oh, that's Jim Powers. That's Jim Tony, Powers. Tony then corrects me that this is Jim Powers. Whatever. It's Jim Powers. Uh, Powers flips Conan back into the ring. He telegraphs a back body drop, and Conan takes him back by the hair. Conan takes a leg and. Just 
kind of sits on Power's chest. I Awkward. Have no idea what that move was. I'm to looking at it right now, and uh, the only thing that made sense is the referee because that move didn't make sense at uh, all. It, it, it wasn't a pin because shoulders because uh, Power's shoulders weren't down, and it didn't look like it was a mission of any kind. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Anyway, Conan gets up and Powers goes on offense. Conan avoids a shot in the corner and Powers drops. Uh, Conan scoops the legs and pins Powers with his feet on the ropes right in front of Randy Eller, who counts anyways. <laughs> he is terrible. Gene is in the ring with Conan. He has to point Conan in the right direction of the hard cam as Conan tries to cut a heel promo. Painful. Gene then sends us to commercial after trying to summarize Conan's promo. <laughs> oh, boy. Bad. Oh, Conan is so bad. That's K.O. N N A N. Not at this point. That uh, that promo was. Only, he, that, he still only has one N in the middle. At this that, point. Yeah, that promo was definitely keeping it one hundred. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, but uh, oh yeah, yes. Thank you. Yeah, Ron Studd. Yeah, back from break. Enter Ron Studd. Imagine the Yeti, but without the rap or the weird ninja costume. Uh, his opponent is Chris Benoit, who is accompanied by Woman and Miss Elizabeth. Benoit again entering to his singles music and not the horseman music. Tony confirms that this is Ron Studd's debut and says he is over seven feet tall. Hmm. The top of Benoit's head is basically at Studd's chin. It is certainly a sight to behold. Uh, Benoit jaws at Stud and slaps him a couple of times, and Stud just attacks. I'm finding myself having a hard time typing Stud and not stuff. <laughs> Uh, Benoit goes after the knees to keep Stud down as Larry talks about how smart this strategy is. Ron makes a brief comeback, but then goes to the top rope with a bad with a, a bad leg and pays for it with a superplex. This gets Benoit the three count victory. Uh, Gene is in the ring with Benoit and the ladies. He is a creep. <laughs> this this was a warm up for Benoit because he's facing the Giant in Denver on Thursday. They go back to Saturday, and Benoit admits that Malenko is one of the greatest, uh, one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. Admitted. He promises to knock the Giant down to size on Thursday, and we go to break. Just your like thoughts, ju- your thoughts on Chris Benoit versus Ron Studd. First of all, I will say. Uh... A very good test for Benoit against the Giant when he takes on the debuting Ron Studd. <laughs> uh, woman, oh woman, uh, won't you marry me now was all the way live at this point. Uh, good job by Benoit here, really staying on Studd, which as you knew he would. Uh, looking at the superplex right here, good form by Benoit. Nice execution, and crowd was like, all right, yeah, I could see that. The fact that he beat him with a superplex, eh, the crowd was a little bit up for that. <laughs> so, yeah, Benoit wins. Singles music. Thank you, Randerson. And uh, what he was saying about Gene being a creep? Such a creep. I mean, listen, when you have... You knew that woman was doing that thing. I mean, with always getting on Gene's side just to get him off kilter in interviews. <laughs> I thought that that was awesome. Thank you, woman, for that. And, yeah, Malenko, one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. Yeah, but I don't think that they hit their peak yet mm-hmm. um, in 95. But uh, we're going to ringside with uh, Zabisco and Skiavone. Yeah. They show us pictures from the tag title match. There will be a rematch in hour two, thank God, as we start the countdown to hour number two. Pyro, will baby! We, will we actually get Bobby and Eric tonight? Let's find out together. Off goes the unnecessary pyro, and holy crap, it's Eric and Bobby. Wow. We get a shot of a couple of idiots in the crowd jumping around like morons. Bobby asks <laughs> Eric where he was last week. Eric says simply that he was taking care of business. Oh, yeah. Like overtime. Uh, enter the Steiners for the tag title rematch. Enter Sherry and Harlem Heat. Colonel Parker hiding behind them. 
The bell rings and the Steiners attack immediately and start off strong when the match actually begins. They remain up in control up through the first commercial break. Uh, we come back from break and they're pretty much in the same position. They've just switched Harlem Heat members. Rick blocks a suplex attempts by Booker and reverses it and then they both head outside. Uh, Rick gets bamboozled and then body slammed on the floor by Stevie. Back in the ring, R- Rick catches Booker on a leapfrog and slams him down for two. Then tags in Scott. A little bit of chaos takes Rick, Stevie, and Nick Patrick outside. And Scott clotheslines Booker over the top into the floor. Some more chaos leads to Scott trying to suplex Booker back in, but Sherry grabs his foot. Patrick enters the ring practically right next to Sherry, but begins to count the pin anyway. When, for some reason, Colonel Parker enters the ring, stumbles backwards over the cover by Booker, and Nick Patrick calls for the disqualification, giving the victory to the Steiners, but keeping the titles on Harlem Heat. Bizarre, bizarre finish. I gotta agree with that. Um, First of all, the patented leapfrog counter into the power slam, that definitely got the crowd up for that one. Mm -hmm. Um, Crowd jumped for that. Um, Good chemistry between... Uh, Harlem Heat and the Steiners. I will say that. Uh, if you notice during the hot tag when Scott comes in, Scott almost tripped leapfrogging over Booker T. <laughs> and that led uh, to the finish. I'm actually uh, watching a, a play of the finish. First of all, Colonel Robert Parker. I mean, come on now. Uh, that was... Uh, that was uh, bamboozling and ridiculous. Yeah, Sherry pulls a leg here. <laughs> Sherry pulls a leg here. Yeah, so Nick Patrick actually sees it. He actually sees the hands on the leg, and then Parker comes in, basically giving himself his <laughs> his own pushdown bump. Steiners win, which the crowd is up for, but uh, you don't win the title, so too bad, so sad. And uh, Sherry's still all the way live uh, as as ever, but <laughs> but uh, Cur- but <laughs> Colonel Robert Parker and Booker T. Uh, oh my goodness, Booker T in his career. First Gary Hart, now uh, Colonel Robert Parker. I mean, this is the Ebony experience all over again. <laughs> yeah, Booker Booker yells at Colonel Parker, despite still being champion, so I don't know what he's mad about. Did <laughs> did Parker, did Robert Parker dye his hair here? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's without... It, than I remember in the past. Yes, because it's not cream-colored white. He doesn't have that yeah. hat on. Yeah, You know, the Steiner's got that hat right there. Uh, we get a replay of the awful finish and we go to break. Uh, we go to the desk for the first time in weeks. Eric promises a recap of the desecration of the WCW championship and Hogan beating up the booty man. We then get a recap of the bike versus bike match. Thank oh, God. Oh, boy. Bobby reminds us that Lex and Sting are pissed and then says that Flair told him that he'd be buying Savage a pup tent with some of his money so he can stay in Casper and pan for gold because Savage is over and done with. Wow. Thank you, Bobby. Thank <laughs> you so much for that. <laughs> Uh, cruiserweight title rematch time enter Rey Mysterio Jr. enter Sonny Ono and the ultimate dragon Dragon. Uh, dragon blows the mist and the bell rings dragon misses a kick combination and then connects with one into the ropes and the tilt a world torture rack that gets a two count chops in the corner across and a handspring back elbow by the dragon huge running power bomb by the dragon but he doesn't try to pin him again dragon goes up top and gets two boots to the face Irish whip and Mysterio gets stuck in the ropes. He hits a springboard Hurricane Rana that throws Dragon from the ring and then hits a big dive to the outside. Mysterio can't find his footing against Dragon. He gets slung to the outside and then nearly crippled by a suicide dive into the barricade. Back in the ring and Ray almost falls to a tiger suplex. Dragon slams Ray down and says it's over. A moonsault gets a two for the Dragon, then a springboard moonsault, but no pin attempt. Powerbomb gets countered into a sunset flip for three and Ray Mysterio Jr. is still the WCW Cruiserweight Champion. We get replays and we go to break with the promise of Savage versus Flair for the United States Championship next. 
Oh, this was all right. I mean, there's a few. There was, Be- I, don't know. I think that that match was better than the pay per view just because I think that it was in any time you're in front of a crowd that's at least halfway appreciative. A crowd that's actually paid to be there. Yes, yes, exactly. That you can get an accurate attendance count on. Um, I thought that this match was probably better, in my opinion, in the pay per view. Um, good lead into the Savage and Flair for the United States Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah, and doesn't doesn't Savage have the first shot at Hogan? Isn't that what we were that, last week? Right, exactly. Anyway, there's a swerve right there. Uh, back from break and enter Flair. He tells us to forget Sturgis and the Harleys. Elizabeth and Woman have 1,200 cc's. No idea what that means. <laughs> he didn't have Not to. A clue. He didn't have to. It was Ric Flair. Yeah. Enter Macho in yellow and purple, and he charges the ring. Flair gets one chop in before Savage starts no selling and just goes to town. Flair gets a thumb to the eye, which Savage sells for about ten seconds. Then he pops back up from a chop and goes back on offense. They fight into the aisle. Savage smashes Flair's face into the barricade, and Flair hits a low blow. Flair rolls Savage back into the ring, and Bischoff sends us to break. Business. Oh, Pedro loves tuning Japanese. What say you, my friend, Menchi? And I guess I'm here, too. If you're looking for wacky reviews of anime, check out Tuning Japanese. A podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Only on the Questionable Endeavor Network. Do they drink, too? Not a little bit. I do. They are in the ring and Savage is down when we get back. Flair lays Savage across the middle rope and Elizabeth slaps him. He almost falls to the floor, lunging after her. Savage then goes on offense again. He whips Flair across and hits a back body drop. He comes off the top with an axe handle. He tries again, but Flair gets him in the gut. Then a chop block by Flair. Flair throws Savage to the outside and Woman gets a boot in. Savage rolls back in and Flair goes back to the knee. We get a shin breaker and Flair locks on the figure four. Woo! Flair, Flair grabs the middle rope and gets a two count. They do it again. And a third time. And a fourth time. Savage starts to turn it over. Flair goes for the ropes again, and Randerson kicks him off. Savage rolls it over, and Flair breaks immediately. Then a side suplex by Flair, and both men are down. Savage starts to fight back, but gets snap-mared. Flair goes up top, and it goes about as well as you'd expect. (laughs) Flair does the turnbuckle bump to the apron, and Savage clotheslines him. Savage then ducks a charging clothesline, and Flair takes out Randerson. Flair bails. Savage hits an axe handle from the top to the outside. We get a half-assed backbody drop on the floor. Savage, uh, Savage pulls the mats up as Hogan appears and waffles Savage with a chair. Nick Patrick also appears, conveniently enough, to call for assistance with Randerson's dead body. Hogan rolls Savage into the ring. Flair enters the ring and pins Savage with his feet on the ropes for three to retain the United States Championship. Eric is now certain that Flair is the fourth member of the NWO. Nick Patrick checks on Savage while a medic checks on Randerson, and we go to, to replays and to the desk as F- Bischoff and Heenan question Flair's loyalties some more. Oh, boy. This was just chaos, is what this was. It, it, it definitely was. Uh, you know, anything that happened during this match, I mean, you know, Macho Man comes out, obviously from the storyline uh, that happened, I believe, the year before, uh, when Elizabeth turned on Macho and gave Ric Flair the WCW World Heavyweight Championship at the time. Uh, Savage comes out. All decked in purple and gold. Yeah, brother, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to throw that hat out right there. And I'm going to run the ring and uh, beat the hell out of Flair. Uh, 
you know, this was, trust me, this was not WrestleMania 8. Uh, I do, yeah. lo- I do love the sequence though of Ric Flair strutting after one chop. <laughs> Just, it's like ding 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 one chop strut and then it's all macho man uh from that point on uh, i love i've always loved macho man's intensity and his aggressiveness um you could not match that uh mm. you, you, just, you just couldn't um he was in it to win it and you could see it um very good match. Hogan shows up, cracking Macho Man straight up right in the dome with the chair. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, no hands up about that. Uh, Nick Patrick, good officiating there, checking on his colleague, <laughs> by the way. And then, <laughs> and then the finish, the finish, let's see. Hogan rolls Savage into the ring. Patrick goes down for the count. Flair puts his feet on the second rope. While this is going on, the medic is in the ring, check <laughs> checking on Randy Anderson, and woman is holding Ric Flair's toes down while it's on the rope <laughs> for the three count. Craziness, absolutely craziness. And first of all, why is a camera on Nick Patrick all of a sudden now? You know. And Nick Patrick wondering where the belt is. It's insane. It was chaos personified. And and the weirdest part is the finish is going down and the medic is looking right at it. He's looking right But the the, the medic's not the referee. No, why but the medic care. He's looking First of all, why is the medic in the ring during the match? <laughs> Cuz Randy Anderson died, all right? Rolling to the outside. <laughs> or at least get him to the apron. He's in the ring. For all we know, Ric Flair could have beat the hell out of the medic right in front of everybody. <laughs> and then he would have probably strutted, by the way. Probably. Um, <laughs> um, to question Ric Flair's loyalties, being the fourth guy, the only way you could say it at the time is in Ric Flair's interview when he did it on Saturday night before the pay-per-view, was that he thought that he that the horsemen in the NWO could coexist. Well, he did say that. They never mentioned that again because, you know, it's not that intricate. Yeah. But, yeah, chaos personified during the U.S. title match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, really, the only people that were really surviving was Nick Patrick and woman Elizabeth and Ric Flair. And then we have a recap of what happened. The most dastardly thing that could ever happen to a championship belt since Mr. Perfect. <laughs> Yes, we got a photo recap of the main event at Hogwild. Heenan calls the title 25 pounds of gold. And again, I really have to question his It, it didn't, yeah. I, I, I like to question that. I like to question the actual attendance of the event. <laughs> uh, that was not 25 pounds of gold because he, <laughs> did you see how Hogan held the belt in the promo earlier in the show? Yeah. yeah, not 25. Not at all. Not even close. No. Uh, we then get our video replay of the birthday cake and the booty man's destruction. Joyful. And then we go to Mean Gene. Gene oh, tells oh, us that he'll a, keep us a, updated. We got a full video recap there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gene tells us that he'll keep us updated on Savage in the ring. He then starts to talk to Hogan before Hogan even comes out through the entrance. <laughs> yeah. Hogan tells us there's no stopping the New World Order. He then compares the NWO takeover to the 1993 Branch Davidian Waco Massacre. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <sighs> oh, 
Hulk then fails to say the word categorize twice in a row. We're strictly business in the NWO, and we're going to categorize, categorize everybody with certain names, brother. He says that nicknames don't apply, but then gives Flair the nickname Stupid Little Man. But he called him, but he he called himself the Hulkster during the interview. (laughs) So, so stupid little man, brother. The Hulkster, the king of the nicknames. Yeah, yeah. Gene, Gene sends us to break with a non-functioning microphone. Well, yeah, after he got called a chump. <laughs> back from break, the Wildcat is dancing in the ring. And oh, then we go back to Orlando for the backstage God. attack. Thankfully, this is a brief recap. Branch Davidian, people. Branch Davidian. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. Wild, oh, Wildcat Willie. Of all the things to pick to call out there. Yes, Wildcat Willie. Good God. Yeah, by the way, he did not know how to get in the ring, number one. (laughs) Um, He he just did not. Uh, And number two, uh, there is footage out there of Wildcat Willie before certain nitros trying to hype the crowd up and failing miserably. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bring on the the nitro girls. Yeah, Bischoff says there's lots of chaos. He's getting notes from the truck, apparently, that the Outsiders have finally accepted Sting and Luger's challenge. Bischoff says the truck is telling him that it's going down, but nobody can find them. What? If if nobody can find them, how do they know it's going down? Wait a minute. So wasn't it covered in the first hour that Sting and Luger wanted Hall and Nash tonight? Then Hall says in the promo, not sure sure when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen tonight. Does any does anybody have any sense of time or anything? Mm. Good God. Finally, the outsiders appear at the barricade and enter the ring. Lex Luger enters to Sting's theme song, but is only accompanied by Nick Patrick. Ha! Luger just goes two on one and the bell rings, so I guess this is a suddenly a handicap match. Yeah. Sting then appears a couple minutes later out of nowhere. This is really just a brawl. Sting and Luger clear the ring and Bischoff is thrilled. The Outsiders collect themselves and try to re-enter, but both get knocked off the apron. Luger goes after Hall. Sting goes after Nash. Bischoff tells us that they're going to try and deliver Anderson versus Giant, but we may not get to it. Randerson? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Bischoff tells us that Macho Man is getting stitches backstage as the brawl re-enters the ring. Oh, really? Sting Sting eats a big boot and gets tossed to the floor, and they double-team Luger. Sidewalk slam on Luger, and suddenly Bischoff wants to know why there was no disqualification called when Nash threw Sting over the top of the floor. Be- really? Because you wanted a cheap victory for WCW. Just, just really? Yeah. No one is tagging in and out at all, and you're worried about an over-the-top rope disqualification? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, uh, especially when, <sighs> I don't know, let's see, we've already had a disqualification for... Colonel Robert Parker basically stumbling into the ring. <laughs> now, now you want a disqualification for a clothesline over the top rope. Anytime that they had that before, it was always momentum. Yeah. Good God. The outsiders end up in opposite corners. Sting splashes Nash, but Hall moves. Then the horsemen rush the ring and the outsiders bail, as does Nick Patrick. I would too. Sting, Luger, and the horsemen all stand tall in the ring, and we go to replays where we see Nick Patrick pull Scott Hall out of the corner to avoid the Stinger splash. You can't prove that. Bischoff gives us this description, and I apologize for his graphic language. No, no there's no controversy. The man, the man was paid off. Now, wait a minute. Maybe Hall had his hand on it, and he shoved him, and Patrick this, pulled him. This, I don't know. This bites. Trust me. Let's go to Mean Gene. Ooh, brutal. Yeah. Brutal. 
Gene is in the entranceway with the horseman. Flair says he doesn't like Luger and Sting, but he'll play ball with them since they're on the same team. Flair promises that they've got a guy for each guy in the NWO, including the mystery fourth man. Gene pimps, pimps Clash of the Champions one more time, and he sends us off the air. So we right. got no pimping of the hotline whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Good God. They, don't usually, they don't usually pimp the hotline on Nitro. That's usually saved for the pay-per-views. Yeah. All right. So I got to tell you, we started off a little slow tonight. That first hour was passable at best. Fucking Jim Powers, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but the second hour... Good God, the second hour, they really kicked it into high gear here. The last three matches, if you can call the main event a match, were all quite good, quite entertaining, and filled with drama and intrigue. What say you? Very, very, very effective. I thought that this Nitro, I think more than the pay-per-view, I think this Nitro really capped off how the pay-per-view is going to go because obviously, you know, Hogan won the title. Now you want to see what happens next. I think that... The NWO doing whatever they wanted. Hogan coming out with, you know, the title, not wrestling. He didn't need to, didn't have to. Yep. Um, Heat and Steiner still doing their feud. Everybody probably in the back of the mind. Oh yeah, Sting thrown over the top rope. Yeah, where's the where's the DQ over there? Uh, but no, overall, I thought this was a very, I think it was a very entertaining episode of Nitro. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave you something to come back on next week. Cause remember, kids, no thunder in these days. Right. So just the, just the Clash of the Champions and that, well, cause I think this is the last, this is the last full year of the Clash of the Champions. So, uh, I thought it was very good. Um, Definitely better than the cage match listing for uh, Road Wild. Um, <laughs> it, it, to me, Nitro, at this point, before it got the stigma, even though at times Nitro felt unorganized, because of the inclusion of the NWO, it had to be because mm-hmm. you di- because you didn't know what you didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, Holland Nash, I thought in this role was great in their role, um, not giving an opportunity for not really putting themselves under, but giving everything to Luger and Sting. Mm -hmm. They were formidable opponents for them. And by the way, thank you to WCW because in the, (laughs) in the notion of um, Nick Patrick pulling Sting and uh, pulling Scott Hall away from the Stinger splash, the camera never picked it up. So they had to go to the replay to do the slow motion. And when the NWO bails, NWO bails through the crowd. Nick right. Pat, Nick Patrick bails through the entrance. <laughs> so, uh, all in all, I thought this was a very good episode. You didn't know what to expect. And I think this was what made, uh, wrestling fun in the day and, and WCW must watch. Sure. Uh, Rick, Rick Flair, uh, always with his promos because when Rick Flair is styling and profiling, his hair is flying. <laughs> I, I love Rick Flair's promos during this time. Uh, despite the fact of Steve Mongo McMichael throwing up four fingers for virtually no reason. Because during the promo, if you notice, Mongo is way in the background to the point where me, Gene, is va- basically blocking him out unintentionally. As well, he should be. Yes. Uh, ben Wadge is standing there like, you know what? If you mess with me, I'll beat your ass. Yeah. Uh, um, Anderson, too, uh, loved Arn during that role. Mongo is like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. 
but uh, I definitely liked this end, this episode of Nitro. It was it was fun. Uh, you you couldn't sure. you you couldn't get uh, you know you couldn't get better than uh, WCW at this time. I think this Nitro made up for whatever holes that came in Hogwild. Yeah. Now th- this episode of Nitro has a four point nine out of ten on Cage Match, which feels maybe half a point low to me. Uh, but they did pull in a three point three TV rating. Uh, now, Tony, before we move on, we have some business to attend to. It is business time. August 12th marks the last appearance of Dirty Dick Slater on Nitro or pay-per-view. Slater will continue to work for two more months with uh, WCW, including a dark match at Clash of the Champions and a number of appearances on Saturday night in WCW Pro. But this is his final appearance on this show on Nitro or pay-per-view. He has not wrestled a match since his WCW run ended in, the Oct- in October of 96, at least according to Cage Match. So I guess that this is his retirement party. Damn. Uh, now, based on what he's accomplished while on Nitromania here over the last 11 months, which started with a brief run with Bunkhouse Buck, uh, which started very early in this show with them losing the WCW tag titles at Fall Brawl 95 and ended after the almost wedding of Sister Sherry and Colonel Parker. That was a shame. team... That was a we shame. We then had the, the world-famous team of Eaton Dick in the 1996 <laughs> Battle Bowl Lord of the Ring Lethal Lottery Tournament. And now this brief run as Rough and Ready with Mike Anus. Uh, does this make Dirty Dick Slater rafters worthy, or does he go in the dumpster? Oh, man. Rafters, all-time, dump. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Tag titles was the highlight. Rough and ready was the low light. Definitely not a tag, tag, def- tag titles that he lost on the first pay per view that we did on this show. Yes, um, I think as far as rafters or garbage, I don't think. Uh, I think Dick Slater's work at that time. I think he was there to get uh, maybe Mike Enos over, but I think definitely garbage. <laughs> Yeah. I think so, but uh, Dick Slater definitely one of the all-time greats, especially back way back late '70s, early '80s. But in the early '90s, early mid '90s, it's definitely tough because wrestling business is changing, definitely changing. Uh, yeah, according to the Nitro Mania garbage. All right, Dick, that's the that's the dumpster for you. Is that where Randy Eller is? Always. Oh, okay, I was just, just asking. All right, with that out of the way, let's head over to the USA Network, where we are three weeks old from Seattle, Washington, with episode number 172 of Monday Night Raw. This is the go-home show for SummerSlam 96. Oh. Vince gives a very dire and serious update on Ahmed Johnson's health. Oh. Farouk Assad defeats Skip by pinfall. We get a replay of Jerry Lawler versus Aldo Montoya. Jake Roberts is on the phone. The returning Crush defeats Savio Vega by forfeit. A recap of the mayhem between Mankind and The Undertaker last week, leading to a Boiler Room Brawl promo for SummerSlam. Sonny strips behind a shade. Another recap of Ahmed Johnson's kidney injury. Kevin Kelly then interviews Ahmed at his home about the injury. The Godwins defeat the team of T.L. Hopper and Who by pinfall as Gorilla Monsoon announces that Ahmed Johnson has been made to forfeit the Intercontinental title and that a tournament will start next week to crown a new Intercontinental champion. Bret Hart then talks to Mr. Perfect on the Wrestle Vessel about whether or not he'll return to the ring following his loss at WrestleMania 12. And in your main event, Shawn Michaels pins Owen Hart after Vader fails in his interference attempt. Mm-mm. Vader then beats up Shawn Michaels. 
<laughs> so what do you think? Would you would you rather have watched Nitro or this episode of Raw? Well, let's see. I'm actually doing my own personal recap on Raw. First of all, the <laughs> first of all, the entrance of Monday Night Raw, you can't beat it. Went to the music and everything. Can't beat it. Uh Farouk and uh Skip. So whose side was Sonny on? Oh, Sonny was all all about Farouk Asad at this point. Uh, yeah. This was this was shortly after Cloudy. This is the horrible, horrible helmet gear. Yes. Uh, by uh for, that was that's terrible. Yes, for Farouk Asad, nerf based gladiator. Mm, terrible. And thank you, Mike Kyoto, for still keeping the mullet at this time. <laughs> and I'm watching the USA Network broadcast. Thank you, Jake the Snake Roberts. This was Crush's debut, wasn't it? His yep. re debut. Yes, it was. Thank yep. you. Um watch Mason. Yes. Clarence, and bring up uh, Clarence Mason and Jerry Lawler. Bring up Vince McMahon's uh, previous history uh, with with uh, the legal system. <laughs> um, X and Jerry Lawler. Do you, know, do you do you ever know what it's like to be uh, given Miranda rights, McMahon? <laughs> and, and then uh, with a with a little ESPN scroll. Um, and let me see what it reads here. Thank you, Jimmy Corderas. It says, uh, will Bret Hart retire from the WWF? Find out. <laughs> Find out from the hitman himself tonight on Raw. <laughs> so, not an interview, a scroll during the Savio Vega crush match. So yeah, we had to we had to go to the wrestle vessel. Yeah, yeah, we had to go there. Thank you for which, the, I, which I really enjoy saying. Wrestle yeah, the wrestle, wrestle, the wrestle vessel, uh, the SummerSlam. Don't forget about the SummerSlam sweepstakes. Don't, <laughs> don't, forget, don't forget about that. Uh, brought to you by. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stridex medicated pads. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stridex. Oh, ten grand prize winners get get to go to SummerSlam. So only ten of you can go to SummerSlam. 51st prize winners will get uh, a less than desirable prize and a SummerSlam t-shirt, a SummerSlam poster and a WWF t-shirt. And a free pack of Stridex. Yeah, and a free <laughs> pack of Stridex. Um, don't forget, we're shilling the Superstar line, Bikini Beach Blast Off on the preview channel. And as Vince McMahon would say, the Ahmed Johnson kidney injury. Uh, yep, there's Kevin Kelly. Graphic footage. Ahmed Johnson with the Kuwaiti cup on one side and a slammy on the other. <laughs> uh, Kevin Kelly, by the way, man, look at that youth right there. Sit right, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Kevin Kelly, early days. And uh, okay, look at this. I'm, I'm actually here right now. T.L. Hopper and who, otherwise known as Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Who? Exactly. <laughs> and, to and. <laughs> of all people, here comes Mr. Bob Backlund to do commentary with Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler. And uh, the Godwins, yep, there they are. Yep, we knew where this match was going to go. Yeah. And then here's Monsoon. Now, when, with, with Monsoon, was this the stripping of the Intercontinental Championship? Yeah, this was the announcement that Ahmed Johnson was being forced to forfeit the title and that a tournament would start next week. Well, damn right he would be forced with a kidney injury like that. Are you kidding me? And then look at Mr. Mister Perfect and the hitman on the wrestle vessel. 
Uh, Russell Vessel. The Russell Vessel with uh, some kid wearing a Chris Mullen t-shirt. <laughs> and then uh, finally, oh, see, the good thing about WWF is uh, they showed way better highlight footage of their stars than uh, WCW did with Arn Anderson. <laughs> uh, Brett and his kids, Brett with a conversation, Owen Hart celebrating... Oh, WWF Friday Night Fever. There's a kid dancing with Savio Vega. Shawn Michaels coming. Mark Henry! Yep. Oh, yeah, Mark Henry and uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I wonder what happened to that guy. Yeah, yeah I know. I mean, uh, tripping over it. And then here's Shawn Michaels with some of the most... I mean, look at the gear right there. Look at that. Look at that gear. The only person who I, I can, can't. This is a podcast. The only one who can wear that is Shawn Michaels. Fo- <laughs> folks, I mean, chaps, vest, chains, leather. Look at the shirt right there. And then Shawn Michaels with pyro. I mean, you couldn't beat it in 96. You really couldn't. It's the most in-depth we've ever gone on an episode of Raw on this show. Yep. And then, of course, Shawn Michaels, <laughs> Shawn Michaels on an episode of Baywatch that probably nobody remembers. And Sean and Owen, of course, with a good classic match. But uh, let's face it, nobody. And first of all, don't be beating up Mike Kyoto Vader. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, personally, comparing one hour of Raw to two hours of Nitro, NWO was hot at the time. There was absolutely no way in the hell. Right. You you couldn't you at this time. You couldn't, you couldn't beat it. You couldn't, you couldn't miss that. Nitro for me was always appointment television, um, especially during this time. Raw was good, but uh, Nitro at that time you needed two hours for Nitro because at that time you wanted to stick around and watch what the NWO was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I mean, hell, even when Hogan wasn't on the show, you knew Hall and Nash were on the show, and you knew that something was going to happen. Right, and very rarely at the time was the NWO even put on the, was not put on the show. So at that time, I would have definitely given the heads up uh, for Nitro, other than uh, over Raw at that time. Absolutely. All right. Well, everyone agrees with you on that. On Cage Match, this episode of Raw has a dismal three point three three out of ten, and pulled in a TV rating of two point zero. Um, elsewhere, on August 12th, 1996, it was the 15th anniversary of the release of the IBM personal computer, without which we likely wouldn't be doing any of this. Uh, it also marked the second anniversary of the 1994 MLB strike, most memorable for those WWF commercials featuring Randy Savage and the genesis of Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Yeah. It also marked Jonathan Coachman's 23rd birthday, and most importantly, it marked the 66th birthday of Belgian-French mathematician and academic Jacques Titz. Jacques Tits. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. And I think that's a good uh, that's a good uh, sign to end the show, isn't it? <laughs> that wraps up August 12th with a nice little bow, if you will. So, Tony, I know you're a very busy man. This is going to go up on uh, Tuesday. So it's after Summer Sizzle this weekend as we record this tomorrow. Uh, but uh, what do you got coming up? Where can people find you? In the ring, on the line, anywhere. Anywhere and everywhere. Uh, you can't find me in the street, though. I'm barely, I'm barely visible to begin with. Uh, uh, let's see. After Summer Sizzle, you can always find me at Lucky Pro Wrestling Live Events, uh, luckyprowrestling.com. Uh, I will be at uh, Chaotic Wrestling, the Summer Chaos. That is going to be the 24th of August. 
um, chaoticwrestling.com for more details. I will be out and about and hopefully a trip to the West Coast before the end of the year. I'll keep everybody posted on that. Uh, you can follow me in the Twitterverse, in the Twitter sphere, the Instagram Rams and the diagrams. Uh, they're all at referee Tony S. Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, one handle, one guy, multi, I, multi. I've oh. not added you on Snapchat yet. Uh, well, you know, hey, I, I, I'm an observer. Uh, on the Snapchat, um, I am Dave in, Meltzer. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> or, or hey, I'm I am not I am not Dave Meltzer or Mayor McCheese. Uh, I can I can dispute those rumors right now. Uh, but yeah, referee Tony S. Uh, primarily on Twitter uh, and on Facebook and Instagram. So check me out there. Um, but like I said, these days, Chaotic Wrestling and, of course, the Green and Black Express of Lucky Pro Wrestling. Uh, come on out to Lucky Pro Wrestling live events. Uh, we do have one or two shows later on in the year. Uh, and uh, come on out to the show. Buy a ticket. We'd love to have you. And because this is the only place where I can call Adam Mean Gene and, <laughs> and get away with it. And besides, they give me mic time. Who the hell does that? <laughs> Man. Uh, somebody we know around here just decides to give me mic time on every show. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, November, it'll be, uh, November 5th will be 13 years as a referee. So, looking, oh, yeah. so uh, looking forward to that. Pissing New England off one three count at a time. <laughs> that is me. And, uh, oh, well, not just a uh, three count, but let's see, my height, my three <laughs> count, and oh, earpieces now. Yeah, people don't like uh, me wearing earpieces. Uh, I like it because uh, it, it gets me over. Or maybe not. Maybe it just helps uh, Eric Bischoff out. But either way, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> e- e- either way, um, it's definitely been good. I'm still going to keep going. Um, but, yeah, Referee Tony S uh, on Twitter, Instagram, follow me. Do a quick follow back. Love to talk with you talk about the old school stuff and uh, this has definitely been a, a blast and i love to do this more often excellent uh yeah you can find me i after summer sizzle which is again happening before this ends this actually goes out i have nothing else in august on september 1st you can find me uh with apw the semifinals and finals of the road to royalty 2018 tournament that's at the newbury elks lodge on saturday september 1st uh, Saturday, September fifteenth, uh, is the return of Liberty States Wrestling to the John McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts. Uh, Elkmania comes back on Saturday, September twenty second. Brother, and and then of course, uh, Lucky Pro returns on my calendar on Saturday, October thirteenth, is uh, the next LPW date that I have. So find me at those shows, or again, find me here on the Nitromania podcast. Uh, and by the always, way, the only reason why I said chaotic and lucky pro is because really you don't know when I'm going to show up. I may show up at Liberty <laughs> States. I may show up at APW. Uh, you never know where I'm going to show up. So uh, keep your eyes peeled because uh, I may be throwing in a surprise or two. There you go. So, uh, As always, check out all the shows on the Questionable Endeavor Network at questendnetwork.com. You can donate to this show by going to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling or becoming a patron at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. That helps out me and all the shows on the feed here, like uh, WrestleMania Salvation, like uh, Glow Stick, NXT Revisited, if that ever comes back, the rundown itself. Uh, tweet at me at NitromaniaPod or send me an email to NitromaniaPod at gmail.com. And Tony, unless you have anything else to add? 
I am good. It was uh, definitely a blast. I'm glad that uh, I was able to do it. Um, this is definitely fun going back uh, memory lane. I love chatting old school, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> so uh, definitely giving, uh, I, always, I always like to call it uh, giving some new school flavor to some old school style. So I, sure. def- so I definitely liked uh, doing this. And uh, guys out there, uh, whoever's listening, uh, definitely support Hello. the show. <laughs> My son has, has arrived, everybody. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, de- <laughs> uh, definitely support the show. Uh, these guys are doing a great thing, so whatever you can to uh, help them out would be greatly appreciated by this fine zebra. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'd be happy, happy to have you on again in the future. We'll have to get Chris on here at some point, too. Yes, high uh, spot, high spot. <laughs> but until next time, thank you again very, so very much for agreeing to be on the show, as it was kind of last minute. Again, uh, my thanks to, to the kingpin, Brian Malonis, for agreeing to come on we just couldn't work out the schedule but he is always welcome to come on again in the future uh tony it has been an absolute pleasure having you talk with me this afternoon and i will talk to you everybody else next time right here on nitromania <laughs>